It's time for some cheap talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. And good evening, everybody, or good morning, wherever you are. We welcome you to Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. I'm Ken Mills, and I'm joined, as always, by BJ Cramp. How are you doing, BJ? Hello there. I'm doing good. How are you, Ken? Doing fantastic. We brought you three different episodes of Cheap Trick Origins, and it was really cool to hear all these great interviews. And BJ, I know you love to do the interviews with these folks from Cheap Trick's past. Yeah, I I like to learn, you know. I want to learn as much as I can about the bands that I love. You know, it's always been my drive, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's great to kind of catalog the, the history of this band and kind of record it for posterity. You know, we're kind of little cheap trick rock historians, if you will. So great job on those, those interviews. And uh, uh, I think the fan response has been very cool to them. And we want to thank all the gentlemen who took part in those today's episode of cheap talk is next position please we're doing that album a round table on this great 1983 album produced by mr todd rungren it's the band's seventh studio album and eighth release overall so and we are joined by dean falcone a composer and friend of the show welcome to the show dean thanks so much guys really appreciate what you guys do thanks so much for having me no problem. We're just glad that you're here, and we're glad that you're listening, and I'm glad that you're a friend of the show. What are your overall thoughts on Next Position, please? And we'll start with Dean. Cheap Trick produced by Todd Rundgren. Uh, what could I ask for? You know, I'm a huge Todd Rundgren fan. So um, my overall thoughts were coming off a of one-on-one, which I loved. I mean, that's one of my top top ones. Um, it was a little less metallic and uh, less gaty and compressed it it, had, it was kind of kind of went back a little bit more like to me in color you know had a lighter pop sound i love the heavy stuff but to me that was uh you know my vibe the first thing i heard was heaven's falling right before the album came out and you know i, I almost drove off the road you know just hearing those harmonies come in back you know because i mean i love cheap trip when they had a lot of harmonies and you know the choruses are choruses and uh so my overall thing that's that's in my top you know, that rotates in the top four for me. So you would like to let people know before they put this album on, be careful if you're driving. Uh, well, be careful if you're driving when you're 18 years old and you're hearing a new Cheap Trick song when you're out of your mind over Cheap Trick. And, uh, you know, you're hearing these incredible harmonies and, you know, jangly guitars. Great times for sure. BJ, what, are, what is your overview on this great album? I love the album. Um, I, I, t- I have issues with some of the production, especially on some of the songs. It's so weird how every Cheap Trick album in the 80s is just produced completely differently. It's just, it's really weird how different each album in the 80s is production wise, you know, and sound wise. Right. Um, produced to please. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of of one-on-one and standing on the edge and they, yeah. those out both of those albums uh sort of kind of eclipse this album sometimes probably when i think about cheap trick in the 80s but i'm you know i love this record and there's some really amazing songs some of the best cheap trick songs ever on this album mm-hmm. so next producer please that's a good one <laughs> i read that that's a, that's a chapter out of uh our friend's book there yeah uh, right. i think i think so. <laughs> great line 
I will not take credit. The album was uh, a fun one, and uh, Todd Rundgren brings a lot to the table and his pedigree and, and all of his past work. Uh, you definitely can see a lot of his influence on the album as well. So I guess we should talk about the cover real quick. BJ, your thoughts on the cover? I like the cover. I'm not sure about Robin's outfit yeah. <laughs> on the cover, <laughs> but otherwise it's it's a really cool cover, and I like the takeoff on um, Born the Run and, of right. course, having Rick on the back. Uh, kind of odd that John Brandt is the one holding Uncle Dick, but I guess they wanted Uncle Dick on the cover and Rick on the back, so they had to... Think about it this way, Rick's on the front and the back. Cover. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> Yeah, Uncle Dick is kind of the star of the front, I guess, and distracts you from whatever the hell Robin is wearing. <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of like a depression. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Depression, uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks on. like he was an extra in Johnny Dangerously. And then... <laughs> exactly. Lost the jacket. <laughs> yeah, right. And Rick's holding up fingers. I, You know, one of the problems of growing up in the 70s is... You had ministers, school teachers, and fellow friends of yours saying things like, did you see the secret message on that right. album cover? <laughs> and I always wondered what what the message was, if there was any, in the way he's I, I thought, after, after uh, reading everything, I thought the three fingers was read between the lines to the record company. Ah, there mm -hmm. you go. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just fun thought. Yeah. Just kind of. He's holding three fingers up. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, pretty cool title, as well. Uh, from High Priest uh, Rhythmic Noise, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So and this, uh, it says in my case's book that the original working title of the album was Eight and a Half because if you count right. if you count found all, found all the parts, this would have been their Eight and a Half <laughs> record. Right. How would you say they're Eight and a Half? <laughs> you know, how would you say like sixth? You know, you say fifth or sixth, but how do you say eight and a half? Yes. <laughs> right. But it's well, funny because uh, the Fellini film, Eight and a Half, that's, that's why that was called that, because it was yeah. his eight and a half That's funny. I was film. just going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Rick's, a pig, Rick's a pig, so he probably loved that movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, all together, is Rick holding up eight fingers? Yes. That's true. Look at that. Oh, yeah. I see, yeah I that's see a good point. Mean. That's excellent. Oh, wait. Is his... Uh, pinky bent in half too. Holy shit! <laughs> that's half. That <laughs> He's doing eight and a half fingers. You're right. That's that's genius. Holy, awesome! Crap. Hey, good for you, man. That's, that's got to be it. We're gonna have to ask him. That's beautiful. He's well, doing. Just... He's doing eight and a half fingers. He is. He totally is. That's He's holding his pinky down, so it's half. Oh, that's great! Wow, hidden message, Ken. You found it. <laughs> he was. What's under? Oh man. We're unraveling this. Shit, we gotta we gotta email Mike Hayes and tell him to put that in the uh, revised edition. Yeah, absolutely. Of the book. <laughs> <clears throat> wow, that's never heard that before. Let's nice going, Ken. Yeah. All right, we're such cheap trick experts. We we don't even know it. It just spills right out of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should we should uh, re-record it so, as if we knew that already. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take two. Yeah, oh, and then yeah. he's holding up. I'll I'll say it because I'm Mr. Expert. Yeah, you, as you can see, Rick is holding up eight and a half fingers. On... <laughs> Very good. It's cool. It's pretty neat to find out this stuff as we go along. Well, let's let's get into the first song. 
the first song on side one, I Can't Take It, written by Robin Zander. BJ, what are your thoughts? Amazing power pop song. I love it. Of course, we probably should address the Pete Kamita controversy. Um, I found a quote from Pete Kamita from an interview. Um, So I guess I'll just read this because it's pretty interesting. He says, I Can't Take It was a combination of two songs I had written before I joined Cheap Trick. One day in the limo, I played a cassette for Robin of those songs. One was called I Can't Take It, the other Moving On. Robin said he liked those songs and wanted to work on them with me, so one day I went to his house in Rockford and arranged both songs to make one. I already had the melody and music to those songs and the title I Can't Take It. Robin helped me arrange that song, but arranging isn't writing. Well, I suppose that's debatable, in my opinion, but... I quit the band during the recording of the album One on One. Most of the bass playing on that record is me, although I didn't get credit. Hmm. (laughs) The lick in the intro of If You Want My Love, I came up with and played it on bass. Rick decided to use it and played it on guitar on the record. Those are the only things I wasn't credited for, so... Those are some bombshell allegations, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what you know. I don't know what to believe. Um, I saw another quote where Rick seemed to be taken aback when he was asked about if Pete Camino wrote "I Can't Take It," and he's like, "No, he wrote Reach Out and Take It,' you know." And um, and then Rick said that Pete Camino had told them he wrote "Reach Out," and then later on they found out he wrote it with Bob James, but he had uh, just you know said he wrote it himself. So right. know, I don't know. Yeah, there's some shady stuff with it, but, you know, that's it, a tough call. You know, I Can't Take It definitely has vibes of Reach Out, like the verses and the melodies and the, right. you know, the melodic tones, and then very similar. But also the bridge has, you know, that those half-diminished chords that are like in high roller bridge. Right. So that's kind of robin to me. Well, I think in the book, uh, Robin is quoted as saying he wrote it on acoustic guitar in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't seem true either. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's definitely, there's a half, tr- it's, you know, it's definitely a combo of the two, most likely. Uh, yeah, um, hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Pete Comita feels like he got ripped off big time, and yeah. then Robin says, Robin's like, pfft. I could write that in my sleep. Basically, that's what yeah. he's saying. So you know, but that's tough because you know, I don't know how prolific Robin is, but you know, he he writes great songs. But oh. there's definitely, uh, there's definitely, I feel that Pete Mita probably wrote a good part of that song. I think this is power pop perfection. I I don't think you can get much better than this song. I love it. I want to be buried with this song. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great song to play, both on CD or album, or with a guitar. It, it's yeah. just one of my favorite go-to songs. The single was fantastic. It was one of those cases of, hey, this is being played on Friday Night Videos on NBC and yeah. MTV. This is cool. Someone's going to pay attention to the band I love. And people did, but for whatever reason, it didn't knock it into the stratosphere. I don't know whether that's because the rest of the album didn't back up the potential of this song, but we'll get into that, I guess, as yeah. we go along. Uh, how did the single do, BJ? Um, well, that was- I, yeah, it didn't do very well, you know, which, you know, what can you say? It's a song this great yeah. and, you know, barely makes a blip. Um, 
you know, that like, is something I've said too- it before. It was too good. Too good to be a hit, yeah. I guess. But I'm sure it has something to do with it not being the first single and losing that thunder to Dancing the Night Away. Yeah, definitely. Should, that's well, ridiculous. definitely that's what the band feels yeah. about it, yeah. And your second single, if you don't have a good first single, there, and plus the record label was not behind them at that point, as far as I think, you know, what I think. All that lawsuit stuff was going on. They definitely, Cheap Trick was in a bad place with Epic. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I don't think there was much push behind it. I, I was working at a record store when that came out, and there was not much happening. Yeah, I mean, after I was, All Shook Up and then One on One, they'd been on kind of a downward slope. And, yeah. Um, well, how could this not have been the lead-off single? Record label, you know. Yeah, I Bruce Harris at Epic. It's the idiot. I think his name was, is Bruce Harris. <laughs> that was sitting around saying, hey... This is a great song. It seems like everybody thinks this should be the single. But we're just going to pass it right on up. I, I got to believe the guy that was pushing them to record it was probably the same guy that had the clout to decide what the single is. And it was I'm, his baby, so, you know. It's this, this song, I Can't Take It, has hooks out the wazoo. You couldn't it's, ask for more. It's just perfect. And the video was pretty cool, too. Like, well, the video was of its time, that, but uh, yeah, it, it, that's a tough that, that's a tough call. <laughs> <laughs> it has moments. It, it, it was no eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But I mean, again, you know, it's one of those things with Cheap Trick. It's like you know, even a crappy song, you get to hear Robin sing. A crappy video, you get to see them on TV. Back then, that was pretty cool. And Rick being, you know, looking insane. But yeah. you know, the cheesy ending with you know the Ozzy Ozzy ending with uh, Robin <laughs> biting the head off. I always thought that girl was really cute that was the bride. She was cute, but that, that acting at the end where she's doing the maniacal laughter kind of threw me off. I don't know. I've met a lot of chicks like that. He was that. cute, though. <laughs> I've met a lot of chicks like that. That's all I'm going to say. You know, everything just came together on this song. The The production is perfect for the song. Uh, and, you know, it, you, you, you couldn't imagine this song produced the way All Shook Up was or One on One was. Yeah. It just works perfectly with Todd uh, Rundgren and everything really came together especially on this song you know and uh it just works it really it's works so clean it's so clean and perfect it's like only one of the only few songs i can deal with the, you know the rockman guitar on it because it actually the you know they they do some outboard gear on the bridge and that big beatley guitar part at the you know that whole uh up tempo thing that the little descending line it's so beautiful right. again i just don't understand how someone yeah not pick this as the lead single I, this uh, could be the rest of the shows folks I, I mean I, the rest of this episode could just be me saying why wasn't this the lead single I don't know company. if it would have had any difference but I'll, I'll stop talking about that record but. company record company and the same reason how could you know say goodbye not to be a hit you know? yeah right. exactly and that, that's a single I mean that's crazy well the weird thing about cheap trick singles is that you can put them all together and it makes for a very consistent greatest hits package meaning that like we were talking about Todd Rengren's production on this yeah. I could put this up against voices and I don't really get lost in that it's not the band or it doesn't right. sound like them you know what I'm saying yeah yeah so that speaks to some strength to them as a band and cheap trick. Uh, and of course the video how many times do we get to see Robin as a duck 
fenders and oil on him. I mean, there you go. That's important. And Bunny with a loaded weapon and Rick with a loaded weapon and John Brandt with a loaded weapon. There you go. I just mean for Ted Nugent to come out of the woods and be all set. <laughs> Take that, Ted Nugent. Um, no, um, anyway. Cheap <laughs> pick. Well, the next track is Borderline. Yeah. BJ, what are your thoughts on Borderline? 
possibly my favorite Cheap Trick song of all. Yeah. Uh, like you said, I, you don't know see how it could get any better than I Can't Take It. Well, it's hard, but this song <laughs> does. <laughs> I mean, this song is unbelievable. Just amazing. Uh, and, and the bridge before the solo is uh, probably my favorite part of the song. Um, I'm so with you. Yeah. I actually wrote that down so I wouldn't forget. To yeah, talk about unbelievable. Um, yeah. And then the verse at the end, Robin's just amazing. He takes it up a key yep. i guess or whatever and yep. it's just unbelievable song i love it so much you know that if i if someone asked me what's your favorite cheap trick song it's probably the first thing that would come out you know that's so cool that you say that that well, long hang brilliant. at the end is pretty incredible when he that, that long section at the end that, that's such a cool part dean falcone your thoughts on border uh, I'm, I'm with that's in my top five cheap trick songs you know period and it's it's funny because that song is more countryfied than anything on countryside boulevard you know <laughs> yeah. if he slowed that down that would have been the best song and it's got this whole roy orbison thing those verses are so roy orbison to me the melody and uh like he said the bridge is beautiful and the guitar solo is great it's one of those really great sublime rick nielsen solos that he's so good at when he does them and doesn't you know get too crazy um that song is perfect and uh and seeing them do it on that tour, it was so great. Because live, you know, the guitars had a little more uh, to them. And um, and it's in their set now. I saw them do it last uh, summer. Oh, I didn't. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. They've yeah. been doing it still recently. Um, I just that's saw cool. them a few weeks ago, and they did a they did kind of a shorted set, shorter set than they have been doing, and they didn't do it. But uh, they have been doing it still recently. Oh, that's great. That that yeah, that's such a great song. It should be yeah. Played often. Yeah. Loud. I agree. Um, it's a really strong song. It should have been a single. And uh, I, I probably would have made this the second single, to be honest with you. Well, sure. And when they were on the Alan, that Alan Thick show, was that Thick of the Night that they were on? Yeah. They, they did yeah. I Can't Take It in this. And, how, and would so you, how would you watch that and not say, this is the best yeah. band ever. I have to go it's... get this album immediately. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I Jesus. I watched that the other day, and it's like, man, they were so prime on that show. Yeah, they were unbelievable. They were killing it. In a few moments, first of all, more music from Cheap Trick, the album next position plays. The song is Borderline.
next track is I Don't Love Here Anymore. Man, this is uh, one of those songs when you're breaking up with someone, you don't play by the rules, I don't want to love here anymore. Wow, pretty cool lyrics there. Uh, Rick just Rick is just wonderful as a songwriter, and, you know, it's it's horrible. One of the sad things about doing a cheap trick podcast is that when you talk about Rick Nielsen's songwriting, it's it's just sad that I can't be more critical about it. So <laughs> but I really love the imagery in the song and how it's laid out, and kudos to Rick. Dean Falcone, your thoughts on I Don't Love Here Anymore? These, these first four songs are ridiculous on this album. Um, this, this, again, this is another unique song too it's got a, it's got its own kind of thing i don't really know you know what else kind of sounds like it you know the, the you know the that riff and the 16th hi-hat thing the mm-hmm. lyrics are great on this song and how many hooks are in the song i mean you know you don't want to play by the rules those all those harmonies and um the production on this is actually really cool uh this is like one of the more produced ones i mean without getting into 3d and all that stuff for a pop song um there's so much going on but you can hear everything and it all hits you in a great way. Uh, just a really unique song. I really love the the riff. BJ? Yeah, I love this song. Uh, Bunny says in the book he thought it was too layered, I think is the yeah. word he used, which yeah, I think I, I would agree. I, I think I would agree the production might be a little off on the verse for me, but the mm-hmm. chorus is unbelievable. And, you know, I talk about hooks. If anyone asks me what do I mean by a hook, this song yeah. would be a perfect example of when the chorus comes in and it's such a sharp turn and it works, yeah. it just works perfect. It works so well. It's like a goosebump moment, you know, when this chorus kicks in. It's it's an amazing chorus, great hook. Uh, just a perfect example to me of, of what a hook, you know, what you mean by yeah. that when you say a hook in a song. Sendai! What a pleasure it is to be back. It's only been 18 years. Thank you very much for having us. Oh 
I also love that part where it like starts to heat up again after it. Uh, they yeah. kind of let it go, and you hear the hand, you know, finger yeah, the, and stuff yeah. like that. It's kind the vocal of, echoes out. The vocal, yeah. everything goes down to the drums, and then Bunny rolls it back in and kills you. Yeah, and it almost sounds like it's on the stove, starting to boil over. You know. Yeah, that's that's a great arrangement. A lot of this album, the arrangements are really cool, and they definitely spent a lot of time on the arrangements, and the, yeah, you know, they, I, it's yeah. pretty documented. That, um, they, you know, they really, the good thing about Todd Rundgren is they really respected him, and Todd really liked them, because Todd can be, you know, he looks down his nose at a lot of people he produces, and um, he he was in it for them, too, I think, you know, I, th- I think there was a friendship there, and, uh, I, and you, know, you, tr- you know, when you want to, you know, you work harder when you want to, you know, in- not impress your friends, but you want to, you know, you, you, you ups your game, for sure. Absolutely. So you have an issue with the title, but but it, I'm happy it is. I, I don't love her anymore. I don't love her anymore. Is actually yeah, more it's actually it's a good play on words. I like it. Yeah, you know, some people get bummed out about that. It's like yeah, I don't I don't get it. Okay. I think that's really cool. Why would anyone be upset about that? It's I've read that, and things like you know a silly title or what what does that mean? It's like, well, what, what do you think it means? I don't love here it's anymore. Your love out of this situation. I'm no <laughs> longer going. It's kind of like. Your work is is your love, and I'm 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 quitting. I'm out. Yeah. I'm well, done. And, you know, this is one of the things that Cheap Trick fans love about Cheap Trick is Rick Nielsen's quirkiness and sense yeah. of humor. And so he takes the song, and instead of the obvious, he yeah. just tweaks it a little. And you know, that's what you love about Cheap Trick and about Rick Nielsen's songwriting. So, 
uh-huh. that would be somebody who just doesn't quite get it, you know? I mean, yeah. Cheap Trick is... There's a lot of things about Cheap Trick that you just either get it or you don't, you know? Right, right. And at least, you know, he's, he's always, you know, always working it. He never, you know, he doesn't get too lazy with stuff often. I agree. I agree. The next track, More Genius. So I guess you already know how I feel about it. <laughs> next position, please. And as, def- at, and as Dean Falcone mentioned earlier, the song title came from High Priest of Rhythmic Noise from a previous album, All Shook Up. Uh, BJ, your thoughts on this one? I love it. I, I love the, the intro, and then I guess it shows up later sort of as the bridge. Um, yeah. The, you know, all the different melodies in this song are, are brilliant. I, I kind of, do, do you guys think, you know the song I Dig Go-Go Girls, the early song? Oh, well, yeah, I was the, gonna the mention first that verse, yeah. The first verse especially sort of reminds me of that song, the way Robin, you know, sings it, like what he says, I led a rich life, you know? <laughs> It's, yeah, it's kind of similar his, to his attitude uh, from that. and um, That's definitely one of his things. Yeah. It's one of his uh, tools. And I believe this song goes all the way back to Dream Police, I think Mike yeah. Hayes says, um, that they did it with Tom. Yeah, uh, it was one of the songs they tried out when they had to have a song on Dream Police that Tom sang, I guess. And I mean, yeah. famously, they tried voices with him sing- <laughs> singing and ended up, you know, obviously, and I know what I want, but I guess this was... One yeah. that um, they were trying to work out with Tom singing for Dream Police, and I think it was also recorded for One on One. I think uh, it says in the it, book. Uh, yep, it, it, uh, I read that as well. Yeah, and uh, and I, I had read that it was supposed to be a duel, Robin and Tom singing in unison together. Right, right. But I don't know. That makes a little more sense. But yeah, yeah. It's our PJ making friends with all the Tom Peterson fans of the world. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah this is just a great song and and I I love the lyrics uh, I want to be the biggest gun in the world I want to see the tits on every girl that's just love it love it love it love it that's Rick is naughty but you knew that right from you know the first album Daddy Should Have Stayed in High School that something was up with him yeah, that was one uh, one thing I was looking for at Rick's picks was like the napkin where he wrote, I want to see the tits on every girl, but it wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, when I was in a band in the 80s, I remember like uh, the, we were in this band called Mr. Monster out in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. And one night we had put our makeup and all that crap on that came with all the bad 80s bands and uh, I remember just standing up and saying that I want to be the biggest guy in the world I want to see the tits on every girl and everybody looked at me like what? <laughs> I went ah, these people are not cheap trick fans you do not get it but uh, yeah it's sad man <laughs> great times great times <sighs> um, I love the uh, the intro of the song it um, had the Brian May Orchestra kind of guitar harmonies, which is really funny, right after coming off an album with Roy Thomas Baker. I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know if you guys got that vibe, the Ryan May vibe from that intro with the guitars. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. But, um, and I thought that was funny, though. They didn't do anything like that with him, but after they, you know, did that, then then, then they would do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind and, of strange, absolutely. And I love, the you know, the, the, when they do it live, they don't do that. You know, they don't do the guitar thing. They do, like, a power chord thing. I, if you've ever seen a Rock Palace or Rock Palace, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, have you guys seen that? Yeah. 
the, the, the version of that is insane and uh, how rock it is. This next song we're gonna do is a title track from our brand new album. It's called Next, yeah, next Position, please. Don't, don't. Our next track is Younger Girls, written by Rick Nielsen and Robin Zander. Dean Falcone, would you take this one? Uh, yeah, I think this is more of a Robin song. Um, I think Robin wrote this before Cheap Trick, yeah. as, far, as far as I know. Um, has that stone, sleazy kind of faces thing, which I always love when they do that, because Robin's obviously a big Stones you know, faces fan. Has that sleazy, slinky swagger. 
reminds me kind of like um, Can't Stop It, but I'm going to try that the verses, mm. those kind of stonesy, dark. Uh, I just love this song. Great bridge. BJ. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this one. Yeah, I believe it does say in the book that it was that Robin wrote it before the band, and um, I kind of wish we would have asked Brian Beebe about this song if he knew anything about it. Mm. Um, if it goes well, back to that time. Yeah, it's it's always a good reason to have him back on the show. So yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't think. Yeah, that's definitely one of my least favorite songs on the album. But it's just, I was just saying, you know, it definitely has that Stones thing. You know, he does that so often, that slinky kind of song. But yeah, uh, yeah not a great song. Well, it's kind of uh, a letdown after the last four songs. Right, that, that's See, the problem. Tell to the end of side one here. Yeah, this is not the best song on side one. Let's put it that way. Speaking yeah. of other songs on side one that aren't that good, <laughs> yes, uh, the first single off the album, "Dancing the Night Away," written <laughs> by Harvey and McMaster. What do we know about them, BJ? Oh, they were great. I have uh, I have all, all their albums, and um, I really like the Motors version of this song a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a lot different, you know, from what Cheap Trick did with it. Uh, it just, you know, it was, it just doesn't work uh, the the way Cheap Trick did it, um, yeah. or it doesn't make make much sense. Obviously, their heart wasn't in it, you know. Record label forced them to do it. Uh, Really interesting is uh, because they had the album recorded and then they went back into the studio to do this song and in that same session, that's when they did Spring Break and Get Ready, which was the B-side of the Spring yeah. Break single. That, that, what a session. What a session. Yeah, and also, so we were just talking about how younger girls, you know, side one kind of stalls there. Well, yeah. so apparently in the original sequence of the album, Heaven's Falling was on side one, but when they right. added this song, they moved it to side two. So think about that. Think, think about, about that. Heaven's Falling coming <laughs> after next position, please. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks record label. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird that they, on the, the authorized version that they didn't try to do that. Cause I'd read that too. And it's like, Oh, I'm surprised they didn't do that when they did that authorized version. Right. Because that would have been insane. That that first side would have been that that would have reckoned with anything. Jeez. Yeah. But yeah, dancing the night away is not that great of a track to me, and it it sounds like their hearts just not no. into. Again, so. hearing getting to hear Robin sing anything is always a treat, and the verses. I I mean, I can listen to it, and obviously when I was a kid, I did. Be, you know, so it's in me in that way. So it's one of those weird, you know, I don't really like it, but oh, it makes me remember certain things. And it's too bad because it is the Motors version is actually really cool, and uh, this just doesn't do anything. If this was a B side or an alternate track, it would have been cool in their canon. And, uh, and also, not on the album. also, you know, the Motors version is cool, but here you have it. You know, put it, you put it next to a Rick Nielsen song like Borderline, and it just doesn't even yeah. come. It doesn't no. measure up at all. It, you know? It's just a bad fit. It's, it it's shows you what how much better of a songwriter Rick Nielsen is than you know yeah. most other songwriters. So, right, it's just a, just a bad combination. It just should not have been on the album. But somebody somebody uh, somebody had the horn to get it on the album.
Well, it's time to flip the album over. You guys ready? Oh, all right. Ah! Anyway. Uh, <coughs> what does that smell? <coughs> I don't know. <It's coughs> anyway. Oh. <laughs> we'll hear more about that later. That's right. <coughs> so we flipped the album over. It's good to turn over in case you're tanning. You don't want to burn, folks. Uh, this next song, to me, would have fit great on All Shook Up. That's, right? that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, that, I think everybody feels that way. Yeah, That's great. Want be man. It's it's like there's Rick songs about robots and weird sci-fi things. Yeah. That could be like a little side compilation you could make, BJ. You know. Yeah, right. Rick's weird robot songs. <laughs> man, that, you lift you later. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that 3D would fit fine on that. What are your thoughts on 3D? What are your thoughts on 3D, Dean Falcone? That's hard to say. Um, I actually really like this song. And again, this is like, it's very Todd production. You know, that's really all the crazy stuff in the middle. He's done that kind of stuff on other albums. I, I really do like this song. I love the verses. I love how they, you know, funny kills on this song. Um, all the crazy time signature changes are kind of fun. I, I think they had fun doing it. And, you know, sometimes... It's nice to hear an artist, you know, actually having fun and not, you know, taking it too seriously. Um, I had read that they, they recorded this in three sections, which I thought was kind of interesting because they really don't do that kind of thing. They usually, you know, they do their, they, they play live when they do their basics for the most part. And they, they chopped this into three sections. Um, love the guitar battle. That's pretty funny. Um, the, uh weird sound effect that's on it is just a little bit too much for my blood the the vocal all the vocal stuff or the lindrum stuff where it sounds like that it kind of drops oh. out on me yeah kind of like oh okay i'm not in the song anymore because yeah no they're just fun i mean it's yeah. you know i think this is more of, of a you know sometimes there's good songs and sometimes there's good recordings you know like a good record you know, even with the Beatles, some of the songs that weren't that great, if you sat and just played them, the record is so good that it, it brings you into it. And right. I, talk, I, kind of, I think of this more of a performance recording than a song. I agree. BJ, your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's okay. I'm not a huge fan, of, especially not a huge fan of the chorus, I guess. Um, I mean, obviously, it doesn't stand out on this album, but uh, interesting that it was considered as a title track to the record. Yeah. I guess in yeah. between calling it eight and a half and next position, please, they thought of calling it 3D. And then you could look at the back cover and say, "Oh, he's holding up three fingers for right. 3D." Oh, that's funny. He was covering. He was covering everything. Yeah. But that was there was supposed to be a whole packaging 3D kind of thing with the two. I think. It yeah, it probably would have been a whole cover different cover. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, "Invaders of the Heart" was another possible title too. <laughs> um, yeah, 3D definitely not my favorite, and you know. I always love that spot, the first song on side two of a record, like to put a really great song there, and I don't think yep. this is... Maybe Heaven's Fallen, would, that would have been another good spot maybe for Heaven's Fallen. But uh, You should have worked for the record company. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with you completely there. That would have been a killer opening track for the second side. Our next track is You Say Jump. Dean, your thoughts? Uh, not a huge fan. Um... Just, you know, it seems, again, they're probably pushed to do this one. They wanted another I want you to want me kind of thing. I mean, I like it because I love the harmonies. And, and the, you know, the harmonies in the chorus are just, you know, awesome. 
You know, you uh, mentioned I Want You to Want Me. I'm surprised they didn't ever, when they did this live, if they ever did uh, kind of give it the same kind of treatment that, you know... Rough it up. Yeah. Like yeah, the, I think there were, the record, from what I gathered, the record label heard that this, yeah, they had a demo of it or something, and they really pushed them to record it, and they weren't up for it, and Todd was kind of bummed that they had to do it and kind of goofed it up a little bit with that goofy production. And, and to me, that was like kind of a passive-aggressive, on-purpose kind of thing. Um, well, to so me, I don't, this sounds like something that could be on Heavens Tonight or In Colors, you know, one or the other. Yeah, it definitely has that how are you thing, too. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if they did it right, but they goofed it up. And I think, again, they, they, they were probably being told to do it, and that was probably the rebellion, to make it not as good as it could have been. Because the chorus is actually, it's really, you know, it could have been a really cool song to me. The, the chorus is great. I mean, the harmony, the, you know, that whole arrangement is so cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I do like the second verse, you know, thing. You know, the second verse kind of Hermits, Hermits, I'm Henry VIII kind of thing Robin throws in before the second verse. Yeah, good call. And it kind of reminds me thematically of I Don't Love Here Anymore. Uh, yeah, it's just they goofed up the production. I mean, they definitely were, you know, it, it seems like Todd was definitely trying to make it goofy or something. There's, but uh, the guitar solo is kind of cool, too. And I actually like the, that uh, yeah. production on it. It's kind of different. BJ? Yeah, I think it's an okay song. Obviously, it was never, it wasn't good to escape the I want you to want me, how are you comparisons. And yeah, it's pretty terrible production. I don't yeah. get the, this idea of the record label forcing them. Well, Rick wrote the song. <laughs> I mean, the record yeah. label couldn't have forced him to do it if he didn't write it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't understand. You know, yeah, this is a, they, you know, it says in the book that the original sequencing of the album had Twisted Heart and Don't Hit Me With Love, and they took those out to put in this and Dance in the Night Away because of right. the record label. So, That's you know... Yeah, the brilliant record label move. Because <laughs> yeah, those well, two think, songs are great. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm... Yeah, I don't know. I don't get that at all. I, I don't get that at all. It's insane. Well, you know, and again, I guess I'm picking on Dancing the Night Away, but the bonus tracks, which we're going to cover later... Yeah, should have been on the album. Better <laughs> than... <laughs> it's definitely been on the album. Yeah, so. yeah, but even, I would say, Twisted Heart and Don't Hit Me With Love are probably even better than the bonus tracks. Oh, yeah, well, Twisted Heart's great. I, yeah. I love Twisted Heart. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that, but Twisted Heart's a really cool song. Well, I, I guess the point I'm making, it's pretty sad when the stuff that winds up as the bonus stuff and on right. the back of 45s on this cassette-only version or whatever is yeah. better lead-off single. That's all I'm saying. That's what your awesome record label will do for you. Yeah. I mean, if you've got Michael Jordan, you don't make him sell popcorn. <laughs> make- Skits, you know what I'm saying? So, you make him yeah. star in movies with animated rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any chance to see the, the Bugs Bunny universe? I love it. But uh, anyhow, uh, we're diverging into Warner Brothers cartoon podcasting, so that's a whole other thing. Uh, the next track is, I think, a victim of Rick's cleverness in a sense, uh, because this is a straight up cool love song. But I've met people who have a negative reaction to the title. It's like they don't get that it's Y O Y O Y. That's pretty sad. What do they think it is? Yo yo. I know. I think I. But it was the '80s, dude. We had what? There was a band called EXO or something. It was right. the '80s. So 
Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think people That's sad. Like, they see it. They they don't even put together. It's a great, like, cool yeah. ballad or whatever. They must not be Prince fans. Yeah. <laughs> BJ, your thoughts on why, why, why? Absolutely brilliant. Uh, mm. Perhaps my favorite Cheap Trick ballad. Uh, and, and this is an amazing combination of Rick's songwriting and Robin's voice. Um, mm-hmm. Just beautiful, wonderful song. And I love the title. Absolutely. And I love the Beatle-y part, you know, where they're doing... What, what, where the, the lyrics say, uh, something can't get up, can't get down. Oh, oh yeah. And it kind that's of... Halfway up. Halfway up, halfway down. Yeah, that's it. Halfway it's up. Beautiful. God, it fills me every time. And the... the the vocals kind of go up, and then the vocals kind of go down a little bit there. It's just a nice little Rick Yeah, they're really good. They're a good band. Yeah. <laughs> Dean, your thoughts on why? I, I love this. This is this is one of the few songs in the album that everything connected for me with you know the writing, Robin, the band, and the production. I really actually like the production. I know it's a lot of stuff going on. But it, this is one of the few songs in the album that actually takes me somewhere else. Uh, you know, when you... You know, it's not often you can hear it. Like Heaven Tonight's kind of like the song Heaven Tonight. You can actually get into, you know, and let go to it. Um, you like go into a trance with it. Yeah, I mean, if you just kind of close your eyes, it takes you somewhere because it's so, you know, it's definitely a cloud floater. Um, floater doesn't sound good. Um, yeah, the bridge on this song is, is so beautiful. And again, it has that beatle I mean, to me, it's a little more ELO than beatle It's kind of through uh-huh. ELO. But, um... Yeah, the verse of this is so beautiful. Uh, a great song. It's one of my, again, like BJ said, that's one of my you know, top three ballads by them. Sure. And the guitar's kind of bluesy on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pretty. And, which, and you, know, you know, inexplicably, it was not a single, which, you know, we've been talking a lot on this episode about the brilliance of the record label, yeah. but you have a song like this, and you don't try to get it on the radio...
to me, if I had to pick four songs to be singles, and we'll see if uh, we have a consensus or whatever, but here's my four. I Can't Take It, Borderline, Why Oh Why Oh Why, and Heaven's Falling. Right. Would you guys say that that's it? Yeah, that, that would make the most sense, probably. That, that's it. That, and that's even good. in that order, you know? Yeah. 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 Very strange, very and, strange. And, you know, I've always, like, I saw Cheap Trick do an acoustic show at Town Hall uh, in, I guess, the early 2000s, and just crossing my fingers for this song. <laughs> just <laughs> imagine an acoustic version of this song, uh, but it's just, it's never happened. Yeah, I wonder what they think about it. You never really hear them talking about this. No, yeah, this is kind of a lost, you know, gem in their catalog. Just, you know, kind of stuck here on side two yeah. of this album, and it's just, it's such an amazing song. Yeah, we'll probably not get, get we probably won't get another trick fest, but uh, that's that's where that would probably happen. Yeah, right. Or maybe Robin Zanderband could pull it out. <laughs> that would be great. Hey, yeah. just to hear Robin sing it, that's that's pretty much it. Even Robin alone would be, you know. And at which point we should talk about the Facebook page. I want my RZB, uh, headed up by our good friend Alex Hunter, and uh, if you want to find out anything that's going on at the Robin Zander Band, that's a great resource, so look for them on Facebook. And also a friend of the show, Michael Butler, he recently did an episode of the Rock and Roll Geek Show where he, he recorded, he went to the Robin Zander Band show in San Francisco and he recorded it and he plays, he plays most of the show and, and talks about it, so that's a pretty cool episode if people want to check it out of the Rock and Roll Geek Show. Yeah, we're going to feature that on our Facebook page, so be on the lookout for it. Our next track is Won't Take No for an Answer. BJ, your thoughts on this track? Yeah, this is a really good song. It's a fun song. Um, Bunny kills it on the chorus of this song. <laughs> I, I might have gone in a different direction from the, the reggae sort of feel that they do on the verse, but um, it's a really good song. It's fun. Dean Falcone. Same kind of thing. I, I love the you know, same thing with the drumming. It's very, the chorus is very hooish to me. Mm -hmm. um, the verse is, I, you know, I like, I, I felt like they, you said the reggae thing. I felt they were trying to do some kind of police kind of thing that just didn't happen for me because the, the melody is great, but I didn't think it, it was executed really great. The verses, and uh, yeah, I wish they didn't go for that. But um, guitars are kind of cool, but the chorus is killer, and Bunny just rips it up as always. I think I would have liked to had a more adventurous bass player on this. Oh, that's yeah. I said that was one of the notes I took that. Uh, I was thinking of the bass players. The, the bass playing is kind of really stock on this album, and it's also really prominent in the mix. Um, it, it is, it is, yeah. and there's a couple little lines here and there, but nothing really interesting. And it's you know, and I probably wouldn't say that for too many other if it was another band, but but the bass playing in Cheap Trick is always such a big part of it to me. You know, the clanky sounds, the distorted bass. You know, Tom goes all over the place generally. And, you know, that was a miss to me. I mean, one-on-one, -on -one, everything kind of disguised the bass a little bit. Yeah. Because there was so much mechanics and, you know, very gated, and the bass was very doinky, and there was a lot of double bass and stuff. And on this album, on a straight-ahead album with acoustic drums, you know, there definitely could have been a lot of cool bass lines or cool, you know, Tom stuff. Not Nothing against John Brand. John Brand's great. Just not, you know. And, you know, Todd Runger might have... Uh wanted a certain thing out of him it seems like the Absolutely. bass is really just kind of um following the basic melody of the song most it, of the it time. is and uh, like i said it's, it's to me it's just stock yeah you know it's what you do on the demo i was um i got to record with bunny for a couple songs when uh, um 
2004, three or four. And um, my friend Spike Pregan, who has a band with when I was a kid, was a huge Cheap Trick fan. And when he was 12, his mom took him to see him in a club when they played here in Connecticut. And he got really close with Bunny because you know, he worked in a record store, even though he was 12 years old, which is kind of insane for that time. And him and Bunny traded import singles. So he got to be close. So I got to hang out with them a lot. And um, he recorded an album. And he, you know, as soon as he found out Bunny would come do it, he called me. So I got to play on it. And it, it was insane. I was just looking at pictures the other day. And I was really, you know, I wasn't too goofy. I got myself together for the most part. But the only thing I made him do is I made him play the intro to So Good to See You about three times. So I could really see <laughs> what he was doing. And he was, like, really cool about it. Wow. Wow. I was, yeah, I was like one of the, you know, when I'm so, looking, doing what, the research for this, I was just remembering some of that stuff, and it's like, man. What were you recording in two His album, this, his name's Spike Priggan. We were, uh, it was a cover album, and we did a song by a band called The Jacobites, yeah. called Big Store, and we did I'm 18 by Alice Cooper and Bunny. It's actually really, it's worth checking out, because Bunny fills it on I'm 18. Heaven's Falling, written by Todd Rengren. BJ, your thoughts on this one? Obviously, this is a great song. It really seems to be a fan favorite, um, which I would not rank. It doesn't rank up there with my favorite Cheap Trick songs. Um, obviously, I love the song. I, I think it's a great song. I think like Borderline is way better and stuff like yeah. that. But, uh, but it really does seem to be a fan favorite. Have you noticed that? I've really noticed that, that people really love this song. They um, do. It, it's because it's also you know it's also the, I think there's the cool factor that it's not a well-known one and yeah, yeah. you know you don't hear much and they don't play it much which they did at that that German show and they kill it um, and I saw them on that tour at the Chance of Poughkeepsie and Todd came out and played that with them and that was really cool to see that and Todd, Todd sang harmony with Robin which was pretty nuts. Um, wow, yeah. I'm sorry, but you were you were talking about the song. Yeah, I mean I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, the story in the book is that, you know, Todd Rundgren just wrote it one day in the studio with, you know, f so they could record it for the album. And uh, so I guess he was, you think he was trying to write a, what he thought was a cheap trick song or? But, you know, what I I read, that, you know, he was, it was a Death Leopard attempt because they were oh, big yeah, at the time. Oh, yeah, he said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. but, but I had also read in Paul Meyer's book um, on, on uh, Todd Rundgren, Wizard of True Star, that he already had that music in the can. 
mm. for a film that he was doing. He was submitting a song, and he never finished the, the melody or the lyrics. And that's what he was doing, supposedly, that day when Bunny says, you know, they're watching football, and Bunny and uh, Todd went and recorded that whole thing. Okay. Which makes more sense to me, that in that time frame, that he would just do the vocals and lyrics. Right. Because you know, there, there's not a lot of thought to those lyrics, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not, not great lyrics, but the mel- I mean, the song's, you know, the melody's great. And it, it's funny, because around that time, I guess right after that, I think Oblivion came out by Utopia, and there's a song in that called Crybaby. Uh-huh. Which was a pretty, that was okay single for them, but that's really, if you listen to the pre-chorus, I mean, it's Heaven's Falling. This is a real great song. There's nothing I can say bad about it. Uh, again, just great pop rock stuff. Nothing I can complain about.
I guess our next track is Invaders of the Heart, the song that just won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> BJ, your thoughts on Invaders of the Heart? Come on. I, <laughs> I love it. It's unbelievable that this song is not my favorite song in the record. I love it so much that that there's a better song than this on this album just shows you how great Cheap Trick are, but this song I just absolutely love and you know, if somebody was going to ask me what's a song, what one song would I want to see Cheap Trick do live, I'd probably say this song. Just considering all the other stuff I've already seen them do, just a song yeah. that I haven't seen, this would be one of the first ones that would come to mind that I would just absolutely love to see them do live. Um, it's an unbelievable song. I love it. Maybe a little crunchier production. Maybe hearing this one produced more like one-on-one. Oh. It's really a pop-punk song. With and, real guitar. Uh, yeah, and, but yeah, unbelievable. I love it. One of one of Rick's most unusual solos. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny because you know that's one of the cool things I love about Rick. I mean, those middle things, you know, like you know, the middle of Dream Police and the middle of like you were saying before, I did Gogo Girls, where he does the Presidents. Yeah, you know that that's one of the things I love about Cheap Trick. It's like they just do these crazy. They can I mean, as he counted it because like, there wasn't a part yet, and he just counted it to for whatever was going to happen. Kind of like um, Mal Evans in, in A Day in the Life, they had him count. You know, that whole middle section until they knew what they were going to do with the orchestra. You can hear them underneath that. Uh-huh. And I guess Rick was doing the count, but eventually they were supposed to put something in, and they never did. I just used to play this for people, and, like, isn't this funny? And they'd, like, go, no, I don't get it. And I'm like, <laughs> I've got to get better friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have such great affection this song it's just it's like a friend <laughs> this song yeah. you know i love it and i'm gonna we're gonna have to play on the uh, on here uh there's a pop punk band from green bay from the 90s called boris the sprinkler that did this they covered <laughs> this song on the and i have That's the i'm gonna have to digitize the picture disc but uh i want to play that on here this is walter l lily for our last call i will never call you again and you are ordered never to call me again we will never speak again, except maybe through, perhaps so through your mother, say. I have already given the police your license number. Don't ever call me ever again. I will never call you. I can't do anything 
gonna be fun right from the start you know with the my generation thing yeah you know yeah they were having a good time and it's nice to know that they're having fun and that that end is insane so it's a really good album and we're going to now talk about the bonus tracks and i guess we'll go with one of bj's songs that he seems to like you talk too much because he does and uh just kidding bj uh but when you first came on the show that was your little segment was you talk too much now you're kind of hosting the thing so <laughs> there you go what do you think of you talk too much bj yeah i like it very early cheap trick song like one of the first songs they did with robin back you know like 74 75 you know it's it's a good song i i wouldn't rank it too highly but um i like yeah, it a punk energy to it yeah i do talk too much i love the right before the oh, oh, shut up right before the chorus so that's that's pretty cool our second bonus track, and, and these were available, what, only on cassette and CD? And, were and CD yeah. I like it a lot. I would say I like the demo that's on the box set more yeah. than the version uh, on Next Position, please. But obviously uh-huh. this is a Stones a Stones tribute kind of song, yeah. I would say. But yeah, I like. I definitely like it more than you talk too much. Um, really good song. Yeah, um, same here. It's definitely a Stones thing, and a little Dylan-y on the choruses. Right. Yeah. The way he sings it. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought of Dylan when I hear that. You're gonna do 
Well, and then of course we mentioned Twisted Heart, which you it sounds it sounds exactly like Next Expedition, please the one on the box that you can tell it was produced by Rundgren, and yeah. um, was going to be on the record until you know the record label interfered.
And it's interesting that between this and Standing on the Edge, that's when they did Spring Break and Up the Creek. Uh -huh. um, so. What an off era. Yeah, yeah. Twisted Heart, though, I, I like that. I really do like that song. It has that dark thing. I love when they get dark like that. Yeah, it's a great song. According to this, Cheap Trick's eighth album, Next Position, Please, is a return to the pop-orientated sound of In Color. It was produced by Todd Rangren. The LP peaked at number 61 on Billboard's 200 LP charts. The album received favorable reviews upon release and yielded the minor hit singles, I Can't Take It, the only Cheap Trick song written solely by lead singer Robin Zander, and the Rick Nielsen-penned Borderline, which debuted on The Alan Thicke Show. The then band members, Xander Nielsen, John Brandt, and Bunny Carlos, consider it one of their best albums. So, there you go. Mm. So that wraps up our discussion on this very cool 1983 Cheap Trick album. And we hope that you've enjoyed it. We want to thank you for spending some of your valuable time with us. As usual, uh, we'd like to thank our guest, Dean Falcone. Thank you for being part of the show today. Thanks so much, it was an honor. I, I love your show. Thanks so much for doing what you guys do. It's well, really appreciated by everybody. Again, we want to thank our listeners and friends over at the Facebook page. You can find us there. And just uh, thank you so much. And as usual, we say keep cheap tricking. Take it away, Chelsea. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap tricking. There are a lot of pictures that someone took the time to upload of elephants fucking. Oh, God. You know, there's something to be said for non-electronic mouses. <laughs> But, because uh, BJ never says, great job, Ken. So, <laughs> anyway, we want to thank you for listening to. Passable job, Ken. Thank you. <laughs>